0: Hi, everyone. This is Pastor David, and this is Take a Knee. I'm so glad you've joined me here today. We're going to have another segment where we talk about something that God is doing in the world, and perhaps God is going to do in your life. You know, when I was a young boy, I had the opportunity to meet a lot of people. And i got to be honest with you, it wasn't something that I really, really wanted to do. In fact. I went to 12 different schools in 12 years. Now, that doesn't mean 12 different places, obviously, but it meant quite a few places that I lived in. I grew up in the state of Michigan. We moved then to Kentucky, and then to Alabama, back to Michigan, and then I finished out high school in Iowa. Now, people have asked why. Well, I won't get into all the details as to why I moved so much, but we just did. And because of that, I got a chance from a positive point of view, to get to know a lot of people. I made a lot of friends. But obviously the you know the dark side of that or the, the weak side of that is that the moment I got to get to know these friends, it didn't take long before I had to move. And so I would have to say goodbye to friends and start all over again, not only in a new state, but a new culture. You can imagine a northern boy moving into the south and then into the deep south, and then all the way over there to the Midwest in Iowa so many changes so many things that caused me to have to think about how i could present myself how to make new friends of course i as an athlete i had an opportunity to always start meeting new friends the moment i got on the basketball team or the football team or joined the track there was always an opportunity to get to know people and it was good and you know honestly since i've come to know jesus it has been such a tremendous blessing i actually lived in a city there in fayetteville north carolina which would have been you know another state that I moved to and have spent the last, I guess, 40 years, I learned to connect with people through the military. And so met so many people, literally hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, in the 22 years that I lived there. And so you get a chance to meet people, you get to build friendships. And the thing that I learned about friendships and knowing so many people is how different they can be how challenging relationships can be. And of course, we all have different needs. We all blend and connect to people in different ways. What I found is that after a period of time that I was able to connect with only just a few people. And maybe that's because of my personality. Maybe your personality is different. But I was only only really able to dig in and to develop lifetime friendships with people because of opportunity because of closeness, because of the familiarity of the lifestyle and the things that you did. You just found yourself doing the same things a lot. And of course, it takes work to build those friendships, too. But one of the challenges of following Jesus in modern times is fitting into a world that is increasingly confusing the mess out of us. And before I go on with more of that thought, I wanted to just say that, wow, I can really identify Because moving to various locations around the country provided that challenge. There was always these barriers, whether it be culture or whether it be just beliefs. Going from Michigan to the South, I began to see a lot of different thinking on family and relationships. I joke with people, when I came to the South, it was interesting. Everybody seemed to just be overly friendly and y'all come on over anytime, come on and stop in and see us. I would always joke and say, well, back in Michigan, it was, don't even think about it. And, and I'm not trying to <laughs> disparage, it's just the way the culture is, the way people live in the cold and in the North and the way people live in the hot days in the South. It's just a different culture altogether. But my point is this, that it's a challenge to get to know people sometimes. And those bridges have to be built and we have to work hard to get to know people and to develop friendships. How much more is that difficult when you think of people who do not know Christ? And as a Christian, you're living in a world that is, that is different. You're living in a world that you can see more clearly. In fact, as I was teaching this morning and talking about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit brings us into a world that is supernatural, that is spiritual. And we begin seeing things that people who do not know Christ cannot see. They're blinded to it. And so that's kind of difficult, isn't it? I mean, we're talking in the real world, we have cultures, we have likes and dislikes, we have you know male and female, we have all of these different things. But in the spiritual world, it's even more so. Matter of fact, it makes me think of 2 Timothy chapter 3, which I'd like to read, because Paul was going to warn Timothy about, the changes now. Timothy clearly has grown up in a Christian home. Paul tells us that, and that Paul becomes somewhat of a surrogate second father. We don't know Timothy's story, but that he was raised by his grandmother, and in this relationship, uh, he was able to step in and, and to really provide a lot of leadership for Timothy. And he's going to tell him here, here in Second Timothy chapter three, a warning. Listen to this, verse one. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. And of course, we, we can look at that and we wonder, well, do we live in the last days now? Uh, you know, certainly you can ask different people from all over the world. They would think they were living in the last days. And I always thought as an American that we would never have that kind of chaos, but it seems like we have of late. So we don't really know. But Paul is saying that these last days would be terrible. And then he's going to tell us how terrible it is. Verse 2. People will be lovers of themselves, so narcissism, out of control, lovers of money, a lot of greed, boastful, a lot of self-promotion, proud, arrogance, abusive, really people attacking one another, let's say just a rise in violence, disobedient to their parents, parental family relationships not even thought of or considered or embraced anymore, ungrateful, type situations, maybe where there's a lot of handouts and a lot of this idea of people deserving of things that they have not earned. Unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal. Yes, brutality is definitely on the rise in a lot of our larger cities. The things that we read about and how Older people are sometimes attacked out of nowhere for no reason whatsoever. Not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So a real focus on what makes me feel good and what I like and just pleasure in all of its forms. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And I've always wondered about that statement, and we can maybe walk through it together here just for a moment, that he's saying that, that there would be people that would even put on the facade of being Christian or godly in some way, religious, I guess is a better word, to be religious, and yet they deny its power. Well, what does that mean, deny its power? Well, deny the power of godliness. Well, and let's take that a little closer. In all that Paul has already just described, We have to see the context here, that what he's talking about is they deny the power of godliness, but embrace all of these other things that he has listed here. And so they continue to do these things, and they encourage others to do them, but yet they still say, we are godly, that we are like God, or that we're religious, or we have some form of tradition that makes them feel like they are good to go or close to God. And then Paul says, have nothing to do with such people. So he makes it clear that this is what's going to happen and that we need to be careful and that clearly the challenge is we're going to want to befriend these people. They're going to be around us. We're going to be surrounded by people who are thinking this way, that have this ungodly center with this religious core. Now, I'm not talking about legalism and I'm not talking about us freaking out and you know, all going to the mountains and creating communes and all that. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm not really just talking about the challenge of us as Christians having friends and developing friendships. You know, James is going to speak about this in James, his fourth chapter, and he is going to communicate to those who will listen that being friends with the world is not a good idea. And of course the, the real challenge, isn't it, to think, well, what is being a friend of the world? Well, it would be, as Paul would say to Timothy, don't be like them is, what he's, is the reason why he's listing all those things. But listen to James as he brings down and, and speaks about this in a way. He says, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. And this is James 4.11. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. So he's talking about relationships here. He says, what causes fights and quarrels in verse 1? Among you, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have. So you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you're asking with the wrong motives. And there it is, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So we see this, this connection between what Paul is saying and what James is saying. And James is going even further to say, well, this is kind of entering into the church. And so he's rebuking them. He says, there are fights and quarrels among you. And he says, it's happening because you are buying into a friendship mode with the world. And John is going to speak to this as well, in saying you know, that friendship with the world is to be at enmity with God. So friendship, wow. So we gotta think about friendships now. The thing that makes friendship hard is that we need them. We absolutely need friends. They help us. We're born to have fellowship, a koinonia. And that's what the body is all about. That's why we need the church. That's why we we really need to meet face-to-face instead of over computer screens. That's why we need to meet together and from house-to-house and together to celebrate what Jesus has done for us. We need all of that. And we need to be able to connect with other believers because Jesus even warns us about that in saying, what fellowship does light have with darkness? Well, there isn't any. And so we as believers, we have to be very careful in two ways. Number one, choosing who we do life with. And there is clearly the truth that stands there and says that bad company corrupts good morals from the Proverbs. You know, the bad company, it's it's like one bad apple will spoil the whole batch. And so we gotta be careful, what is our motive? Well, Pastor David, we gotta witness, we gotta reach the lost around us. And that's so absolutely true. But there's a way to reach people, to love people, and share the gospel with them without becoming unequally yoked, whether it be friendship more than a friendship, let's say an intimate relationship, or the kind of friendship where you're spending more time with that person and they're influencing you, then these these are challenges, and they're things that can influence us. The title of my message today was, Why Can't We Be Friends?, Well, on one hand, sometimes there are people that we shouldn't be friends with, and yet on the other hand, there are people that we really need to have friendships with, and we just need to be patient and build those relationships carefully, biblically. So Jesus said that when it came to this world, that we would be persecuted. And he said, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. They hated me, he said. They hate me. And he says, and they're going to hate you. Why? Well, it's because we desperately want to fit in. Our lives are going to cross their lives. And by virtue of just us living differently, you know, we don't go to the places they go to. We don't raise our children the way they raise their children. You know, there are certain things that we have observed and watched. I know that in my family, in raising five children, that as we, we teach them how to be godly, from the moment they can understand that they begin to realize that the lifestyle that we're teaching them is different from the lifestyle of others. We don't teach them to be exclusive or have not taught them to be exclusive. We've taught them to love people, but to know that they can only be so close to a person who does not believe in God or believe in salvation in Christ, or even further than that, that they're walking a lifestyle that would be Christ-like, And so the moment you start doing that, whether it be teaching your kids or you're not going to those places, you we begin to stand out, whether you're a student at college or high school or or you're a you know a mother or father that you have your kid in public schools and you start standing out and think the questions you ask, the things you're insisting upon clearly, schools are under a lot of duress right now with some of the things that are being discussed and taught, and Christian parents are. Our eyes are beginning to open to, wait a minute, you just need to teach them how to read and write, not all this other stuff. And so it becomes a real challenge, doesn't it? But here's where the rub is, and I hope you can hear me today. The rub is that we have this need of being accepted. And so this acceptance begins to we wrestle with it, because nobody likes to feel like they're left out. Nobody likes to feel that they're the last one standing. And it takes an incredible amount of courage to be able to do that. Jesus, of course, was alone when he died on the cross. And even the Father turned his face away on purpose. And of course, that was prophesied that that would happen. And yet what we find in studies is that people will do very sad things. People will do incredibly unkind things in order to stay a part of what's really going on. In other words, to not stand out. They'll tell lies, they'll cheat, they'll even hurt people or allow people to be hurt in order to stay the most popular side. Here, we're getting ready to to come into voting. It's not very far away now, a couple of weeks, three weeks, I guess, three, four weeks. And as we grow close to that, what they find is that people, I mean, very rarely do they vote the real Issues. What they vote for is what is most popular. What does everybody else doing? What do the majority believe? Well, I'm going with that. And you may say, well, why? Why would they ever do that? What's wrong with their belief system, their conscience? Well, again, wanting to be in friendship with this world and to be connected to this world is an incredibly strong pressure upon human beings. And so that's where we are. That's where we live. But as Christians, we're called to something much higher. It is hard stuff. We don't want to be lonely or ostracized. When we think about the times of Jesus, were times harder than, well, maybe, but not when you think of other nations and how Christians suffer there. And we always, you know, we'll say, you know, well, what is that to me? You know, as Americans, we have enjoyed freedom of religion for nearly 250 years. Now, it is threatened. Who among us are willing to embrace Equality and equity at the expense of freedom. Give that a thought and just think about what I just said there. Who among us are willing to give up our freedom for the sake of equality and equity? In other words, to force people to live in an equal world, an equitable world, but you're not going to be free. You have to do exactly what you're told. And that is what I think is really going on in this world right now. But maybe that's another whole discussion. But it really is proof that people will be willing to give up something that is, you know, God-ordained to be free to, as our Declaration of Independence and Constitution state, which is why America has always been just a bastion of freedom, but yet that seems to be changing. Okay, enough of the politics. But what we really want to talk about here is how are we interacting with this world? Are we learning that to be in friendship with this world is going to pollute us, it's going to distract us, it's gonna keep us from the task and the calling, you know, the Great Commission. But what I have found, I have not been discouraged, I have toughened up my resolve, my wife and I, we are very tough in our resolve to raise our children the way that God would want us to raise our children to be the kind of human being that represents Christ as much as we possibly can. Will we be persecuted? Absolutely. And we have. And I'm I'm sure if you have been doing the same, then you know what I'm talking about. We cannot fear that. We've got to know that we've been given the Holy Spirit in order to be able to stand against this darkness. Jesus said that the darkness would not overcome the light. And he is the light of the world. As long as we're in him and he in us, and we're walking according to his calling on our life specifically, then yes, we will be despised and rejected, and I've experienced a lot of it, but we'll also have his favor. And when we have his favor, when we have Jesus's favor, and we have the Holy Spirit, then we can expect to be blessed. We can expect to be covered and cared for. And here is the beauty. Here is the last thing I'll say today, is that They don't expect us to want to reach for them. They think that what they're doing, I'm talking about those who do not know Christ, they think that what we're doing is to be exclusive for the sake of their shame. And that's not true at all. And guess what? We're going to have to prove it. We're going to have to then, once we've become friends with God, and once we've become confident in our place in Him, and we begin to get blessed in all the different ways that we can be blessed, then we need to turn around and we need to bless them. We need, as Jesus said, to give them our cloak, to give them, give them money, to bless them in their poor, to take care of them, to cover their wounds, to be that good Samaritan that they would never expect to do something like that. That, my friends, is what being a true follower of Christ is. And in time, that changes the hearts of those who would hate us and despise us. And so that's a different thought altogether when we say, why can't we be friends? And if it's us reaching, that's really what it needs to come down to. It's, it needs to be us that are reaching for the lost in every way so that we literally take away all the excuses, all the reasons why they would want to hate us. Because you can't hate Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now, maybe maybe you can, but we know that love conquers all, that we know that love crushes the stone and absolutely wins the heart when it's that agape love that is led by the Holy Spirit. We can do it, folks. We really can. And so as we think of friendship, obviously God wants us to have friends. And I know, you know, maybe you're lonely in listening to this today. And I just want to encourage you, to begin first reaching for the Holy Spirit who is there to comfort you, to be advocate, to counsel you, and to be closer, and to reveal the heart of the Father and the Son to you. But then, if you're shut in, or whatever your situation might be, to begin reaching out, use your phone, use your internet, use your email, to begin reaching for people, and loving people, and watch people respond to that. You can't start with your own need, you must start with their need and watch God take care of your needs. He will. But for all of us, the rest who are listening, you're developing friendships out there in the world, don't be odious, don't be pushy, don't be one who is self-righteous, but be a person who's loving and kind. Bring water, bring food, give encouragement, speak the word of love and confidence, and be generally a good person every way that you can. And watch them begin to look at you and wonder how it is. and Where does that come from? I guarantee you before too long that love will crush the hate. And you will have an opportunity to share where it all comes from. That's good news, isn't it? Well, God bless you folks. I hope you have a wonderful week. And we'll see you again on Take a Knee.